us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I'm staying down here today because, I don't know, I wanted to be a little closer to you. Robert and Larry are right there, so I'm actually preaching to some live human beings as well as to all of you on the camera. Um, I'm also a little, I don't know, you're not supposed to give disclaimers at the beginning of sermons, but I'm not always one for following rules, so a tiny disclaimer. I've been thinking a lot about this year's Lent, and our friend CJ introduced it in his sermon last year that this is a year where Lent, at least for me and I think for a lot of us, needs to be a little bit lighter. So I tried to read the scriptures today through that lens of what could be going on here, dare I say it, that might even be funny. Okay, there's the disclaimer. So the important thing about the gospel today is to remember what comes right before. In the verses right before today's passage, it's when Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? What are they saying about me out there? And after a little back and forth, Peter finally says, well, you're the Messiah. Right answer, Peter, right? Check the box, right answer. So immediately after that is today's text. And we learn that Jesus is talking directly to his disciples, and he says, and now I'm going to tell you the truth about what's going to happen. All the powers in the world are going to come against me. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be killed in a really ugly way. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be raised from the dead. I'm going to come back to life in three days. Well, Peter, who we remember, is always a stand-in for us, right? He's the one who listens really, not necessarily so well, but he always has an opinion and a question. And that's good. He immediately says to Jesus, well, that can't be so. Because, you know, over there, as we were walking over here, I just told you that I believe that you're the Messiah, and we all know what that means. You're the one who's going to save us from all this mess. Not more suffering, not more death. You're going to be the king. Push back on that Roman oppression. Save us. And so Jesus says, oh, Peter, you've got this picture in your mind of the way things work in the earthly realm, not in God's realm. Well, I kind of sympathize with Peter, right? Because, of course, the picture that we have in our heads is what it looks like in the earthly realm. It's where we live. But Jesus is right there with them in this earthly realm. So one can forgive Peter for his sort of category error, right? We do it all the time. Over the weekend, we had the vestry retreat, which was wonderful to welcome the four new people who join into that leadership team. It becomes a new team with four new people. 
And one of our projects over the weekend was to finalize the 2020 parochial report. So for those of you who are lucky enough not to know what that is, the parochial report is the National Church's documentation about attendance and giving and programming, all the statistics. And it gets uploaded from each individual parish to the diocese and then from all of the dioceses into the national church. And then a report comes out about the state of the church in numbers. So I can't think of a more earthly realm category than the parochial report. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. We do need to have that information. But here we were going through the numbers like good doobies. And there was a moment when there was a breakthrough. Because one of the questions was about how committed is your parish and your leadership and your clergy to dealing with issues of racial reconciliation? Wow. That doesn't have anything to do with numbers. That might actually be a category of the divine. Right? Certainly has earthly implications for how we do our ministry. But all of a sudden we were talking about that. And then a little later in the conversation we were talking about what one of the questions was what are the things that have been challenging and have changed? And one of the people in the room who has young children said, My kids need to touch stuff. And Trinity's been doing a great job with these services online and with all the things that are sent home from the Sunday school. But they miss running into the building and running into their classroom or coming up here and touching the altar rail. And some of the older folks said, Me too. Me too. So again, in the midst of our earthly concerns of filling out the parochial report, this little bit of divine action and relationship kind of broke through. So yes, we do have our minds on earthly things. But sometimes they're all mixed up with the divine things as well. Another example, one of the big earthly things that we're all trying to deal with in our country is how do we talk to each other? Politics has gotten completely out of control. We think that's what's going to save us. This candidate, that candidate, this policy, that policy. That's the mistake, right? Thinking those are the things that are going to save us. But I decided over the last couple of weeks to willingly put myself in a conversation with someone who has a very different take on these matters than I do through a little organization called BraverAngels.org. So I had one conversation with a young man who lives on the West Coast, never been to the East Coast. Um, we have absolutely kind of nothing in common on lots and lots of fronts. And the first conversation was, was good, and we abided by the rules and went through the questions and got to know each other a little bit and listened, I think, pretty well. The second conversation was last week, and this one was harder, because the instructions said each of you are going to pick 
two topics, and then you're going to discuss them you know, in this specified way. So my new friend, Robert, said, well, I don't know. What do you want to do? Guns and immigration? And I was like, yeah, guns and immigration. Bring it. Let's do it. Let's talk guns and immigration. And then we left. We left. Because we knew that neither of us was going to convince the other one about gun policies or immigration policies. But all of a sudden, it wasn't about those earthly things that we think are going to save us or make the country right or bring us together or whatever. It was just two people, one in Concord, one in Oregon, just kind of chuckling at the absurdity of it all. There's a divine spark in the midst of that. So I guess what I want to suggest, kind of wild, but what I want to suggest is that God's plan is kind of a joke on us. That wonderful story about Abram with his new name, 92 years old, now he has a new name, and God says, oh, and by the way, you're going to have a lot of progeny. At this point, he and his wife, Sarah, I, I don't think they have anybody. It's completely absurd and ridiculous by human standards, by earthly earthly categories, right? Impossible to imagine. And Paul does such a lovely job in the Romans letter of saying, and Abraham didn't doubt it for a minute. <laughs> I'm pretty sure when he got home that night and told Sarai that he now had to call her Sarah, and that, oh, and by the way, God said that she was going to have a baby, that there was some laughing at their house. One has to imagine that, right? Because every, all of us, we're just God's creatures. We just inhabit the earth. We see the world as we see it. And unless we're looking really carefully, it's very hard to have our eyes and our minds focused on divine things because we don't understand them. They're mysterious. That's kind of the point, right? We're not God. So back to the gospel. When Jesus rebukes Peter and says, no, 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 this is how it's going. Huh. This is how it's going to go, folks. If you follow me, you're going to be persecuted. People are going to make fun of you for believing this stuff. You're going to die. Because basically, you're all going to die. But if you follow him, what he says, you're going to follow me through death. You're going to follow me through death into new life. That's part of the promise. That's the joke, right? That's the good news. That's the piece that Peter couldn't even listen long enough to hear that part. 
He was so worked up about the picture not looking the way he had understood it. But that news, that good news that, yes, this, this is what earthly life looks like. Right now, it looks like an empty church. It looks like people dying from a virus that we still don't completely understand. It looks like a bunch of people in our country unwilling to talk to one another or listen to one another. This is reality, our earthly reality. But what Jesus promises and what he has already fulfilled is that that's not the final answer. He says, if you take up your cross, if you hold on to this cross and walk with me through it all, not only am I there with you, because we're doing this together, but I'll bring you with me into this new life. And glimpses of it are around, are all around if you pay attention. So my friends, one of the things, one of the traditions in Lent is that we focus very much on ourselves and our sins, and there can be lots of self-flagellation and denial and all of those things. And again, I think, at least for this year, that's keeping our mind on earthly things a little bit too much. The invitation is to look and see what is God doing? What do these stories have to tell us about who God is? And Jesus says, just, just come with me. My promises are real. And we, like Abram, can hope against hope, trusting that God's promises are real, even though they seem impossible. They're impossible to us, but nothing is impossible to God. So the invitation, I think, is to remember that Christ has already risen from the dead. I told, I told the, these people who are here, these guys who are here, that I was going to violate the rubric, right? One of our traditions is we don't say hallelujah during Lent because we're waiting for that great announcement at Easter. But Easter has already happened. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. We live in this hallelujah world all the time. So let us take compassion for one another in our earthly lives and in our earthly understandings of how things work, but with a little bit of an ear out to listen for the joke, to listen for the Lenten joke, to listen for the world that God has turned completely upside down, bringing us back to life in all sorts of different ways, in ways we cannot imagine or describe or anticipate or even hope for. But it's happening all around. Thanks be to God.